All right, we're gonna get started. Cause we're about seven to 10 minutes over. We'll start late, we'll end early. It'll be good. First and foremost, as you're grabbing a seat, if you haven't signed one of these and you wanna know when MTL happens or you live and breathe the culture nowadays and you want a reminder the day of, Put your name on this, give us your cell phone, give us your email, we'll send you something the day of and we'll remind you. Because we've found that we have a much better participation rate when we do that. <laughs> and when we don't, people are like, eh. Even if we text you the day before or email you the day before, you still don't come. But if we do it the day of, you're like, hey, that's pretty good. And if you want to schedule, we've got those back there as well. We're gonna be printing up some new posters. You're gonna see some more live posters around town. That's gonna to be fun. Um, but just so you know, May 9th is on here. On May 9th, we'll be meeting from 7 to 8 p.m. Simply because Ann and I want to go see our boys in this uh, spring musical at the grade school. So 7 to 8 on the 9th. All the rest of the times are 6 to 7. We'll still be here. Um, we're not going to meet for two weeks after tonight, though. Two weeks. So we'll be meeting on April 11th. And on that night, we're partnering up again with the Building Hope Initiative. And I just sent them the title for that talk and what we're gonna be talking about. And the title for that talk is What the Funk? <laughs> and it's spelled F-U-N-C. And what we're talking about on April 11th is how our feelings actually serve a function. And that function is to actually help us heal. That's why we have feelings and that's the purpose they serve us. And so we're gonna talk about that that night, What the Funk, um, just so you know. That's April 11th, two weeks away from this evening. Before we start tonight, I do have to let you know, three weeks from tonight, yes, correct. Um, if you ever need to get up and use the restroom, do it. If you have a question, put your hand in the air. If you wanna grab more dessert, go get it. Whew. All right. One of my boys looked up the other night on the internet, Wikipedia. Now I understand some of you already are rolling your eyes inside, but I have said the word gondola for a long time living here. And I've had looks from people and attitude. My wife laughs at me. Lots of things happen. And we talk about this a lot. Gondola or gondola? Lincoln looked it up online because we were talking about pronunciation and how, you know, back in the day, you could pick up a dictionary and you could flip to a word and you could actually look at how a word's pronounced. So we looked it up. Do you want another result? You do. Because in our town, we have a gondola. Yes, we do. And in Italy, when they get in the boat and they push it along, it's a gondola. Yes. 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 I love it. I love it. I love it. So anyway, what? <laughs> I just had to put it out there. Lincoln was so... Lincoln was so proud. He was like, Dad, you have to tell him more to life. It's awesome. So tonight, I was going to start this evening. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was going to show you the pajamas I've been wearing. Because the other day, I was at the rec center, and DJ Shapper was there. And he's like, Phil, I read the blog. And I was listening to you talk about pajamas. And I laugh every time I think about you wearing pajamas. And he's like, I just imagine you laying in bed sweating to death. So I was going to wear these tonight as a joke. I don't wear these. I'm not, yeah, no way, dude. Um, 
I'm sorry if you do wear these, but <laughs> I don't. I, I was going to do it tonight, and then I couldn't bring myself to do it. I'm too self-conscious. I was like, I can't wear them. I was going to greet everybody. And couldn't do it. But, yeah, in my PJs. Haven't really been wearing the best of PJs. I've got some sweatpants and a T-shirt. Um, haven't been really sticking to my caffeine thing. I've been trying. I've got like two drinks. We've been talking about the month of March and mad experimentation toward living a better story. Um, you can always go check out the More to Life blog and read some of the like, goofy things. The thing I've started recently is margins. Trying to create a five-minute window at the beginning of my day, a five-minute window at the end of my day to prepare or decompress. Whether that's like meditate or pray or reflect or journal or something. Um, I did it once, like in like seven days. It was so hard to even find five minutes. So now, rather than saying it's at the beginning or end of my day, I'm just trying to say it's somewhere in my day, right? Give myself a little bit of grace, a little bit of freedom. It's like, eh, it'll just happen during the day sometime. That's been a little bit better because I've done it like twice since I said I would do that. But that's just the update, me being honest and true to who I am and all those kinds of things. But moving on. Tonight, I wanted to talk about something so central, so deep, so entrenched in our culture and in the fabric of our lives and existence that just mentioning it here tonight could put everybody at odds against one another. It could be a very contentious, volatile experience here in the room, but we're going to do it. So we're going to talk about how do you hang this up the right way? Can you? What's the right way? Over. Over. Yeah. So my fingers, this is the right way. If you believe this is the correct way, please put your hand in the air. What? Are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, you do this kind of thing when you rent out your house. Yeah. Uh, okay, so anybody? Anybody? I mean, don't. Dan Foley. <laughs> this is Dan Foley. I do this too. Oh, my gosh. I did not think it would be this overwhelming a majority. See, you're just wrong. Yeah. That's not how it tears away. Because if you go that way, it just tears all over. This does? Yeah. And then you can't find it. It just tears all over? Okay, anyway. All right. So we're saying it's this way. Yes. <laughs> you guys are like, no, not, no, no. So this way. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's that is mind-boggling. I'm going to sit with that one for weeks. Ugh. What's interesting to me, and the only reason I bring that up, and I bring up the whole gondola, gondola thing, um, I used to sell shoes and goods, and um, everybody comes in looking for sorrels, sorrel boots, sorrel boots. And I never corrected anyone, uh, never. Like even when they came in looking for Chacos, Chaco sandals, like never, never corrected them. Cause I always feel like there's like two sides to a story, right? Literally, it usually comes down to that. You, I, I feel like so many times in life it comes down to like there's two modes of thinking. There, you come to it with a fork in the road. You always have these two kind of modes of thinking and literally most of us love to think in categories of wrong and right. And we love to say, well, I'll show you the right way. 
all, all here, here you go. And we love being right. We're obsessed with being right. And so those right and wrong categories are very much there. I don't know, anybody in the room play video games? No, no? Okay, so we've got a few people. I grew up playing video games. I remember the Apple IIe computer. I remember my friend's Commodore 64. I remember the first year I got a Nintendo game system. It was my very own, and I had an Atari before that, but the Nintendo was special. And to this day, my, um, my text tone on my phone is Mario from Super Mario Brothers getting the mushroom and growing bigger. So it's that sound. It's like the like that. I love that sound. And every time I hear it, people are like, ooh, they know exactly what it is and they remember it. I bring up video games because in video games, there are these clear levels and you play through and there's points and you're trying to go for something. And I'm frustrated by most of the games that come out nowadays that you can just do anything in. Like it's like free mode, it's like story mode. And it's like how long and how much time do you want to invest in just dinking around in some digital world, doing who knows what, and there's not really a purpose. Well, there's a story there, and you can fall into it if you happen to, but you can really go do whatever you want. Steal cars, go to the bar, like, do anything. It's weird. I don't necessarily know it. I understand, like, Donkey Kong, right? The first Donkey Kong game that came out, here it was. Here's your set number of lives. There's no quarter to continue. Screw that. And you're just going for... How far can you get and how many points can you make? And if you honestly, if it's the original Donkey Kong and you get to the end of the game, it just shuts down. It stops. Like there's no more code written because you just beat the game. That's pretty awesome. When I think about life, and if I fall into those two categories too long of right and wrong, and I almost look at my life as like a simulation of a game, I start to think about what's the best way to play this. There has to be a best way to play this. There's gotta be a right way to play it. And if I can master that, and if I can make it happen, then I'm doing this right. And if I'm making some of the wrong choices, and I'm not thinking about hard enough, and I'm choosing some of the wrong paths, then I'm doing this wrong. I don't know if you've ever been there, if you ever fall into those categories of your life, and you approach life like this right and wrong kind of thing. And then I can slowly like, back up sometimes and get, my, get a breath and be like, wait, wait, wait. Well, life isn't static like a video game with predictable levels and scenarios. I mean, I have boys who watch people play games on YouTube. <laughs> right? What are you doing? Oh, I'm watching someone play this level on YouTube. What? <laughs> Why? Oh, so I can learn how to play it perfectly so I can literally get the most out of that level that you can get. And I think sometimes we tend to throw that same kind of mentality on life. We put it all over life, and that's how we tend to approach it. For a long time, I would talk to students, and I would put up a huge map of the United States. And I would put it up on a board, and I would say, so, we would talk about, you know, 100% of us die. It's just a fact. And then we would put up a timeline about where they are and how much of their life is ahead of them. And then we would talk about, for the majority, people are telling you you start over here on the, on the edge of this coast. And your goal in life is to get to this coast or the other way if you want to go like towards California. But so 
Like you're going from coast to coast, that's your job. And then lots of people are gonna sell you on the idea that there's the perfect path to pick. But look at all these roads. And look at all these places you could go. And imagine your life like a road trip. And start to think about, well, hang on. Is there really one path? Is there really one way to live your life? Is there like a perfect story for you? Is that true or is it not? That's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. The most difficult language to speak, truth. Being true to who you are and your story and your path, or do you sometimes settle for what some other people hand you or tell you or sell you? All of those kinds of things. I think there's lots of reasons we're not true to who we are. I can remember being back in middle school. I was about this tall, about this skinny. <laughs> so true, but it's so, I mean, about this hairy too. Um, and like, there were so many things that like, I just didn't want to own about myself sometimes, right? And I think it all came from this place and this fear. I mean, behavioral scientists will tell us we all have the need, the desire to be loved, accepted, included. It's hardwired into your DNA. You really don't want to live your life saying, man, it's awesome to be hated by everybody. I love that. It's just not in your genetics. And so you have this desire within you to say, no, I, I do want to be accepted. I do want to be included. I do want to fit in. I do want to have friends. I, I do want to be happy like that. Have you ever found yourself, when, back when you were... Um, Back when I was dating, I would do this all the time. I hate to even say this. But so you'd go out with somebody, and they would say, oh, yeah, you'd be trying to strike some common ground, right? That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to say, hey, we're pretty much alike. Like, I like the same things you do. What? Oh, you like that kind of food? I do too. And you don't, right? Or I love that kind of music. Oh, I do too. And then slowly but surely, like, you just tell these little lies, right? And before long, like, let's say that relationship turns into something, <laughs> right? But you've, like, sold this person on the idea that you actually like pho, and that, like, <laughs> and then, or that you, like, like country music, and it's just, and, it, and later on, you're either going to have to break the news, or you're going to honestly believe that that person doesn't even like you. They're not really interested in you. They're, they're interested in sold on a version of you that isn't you. Because you weren't true with your voice. You weren't true with your passions. You weren't true with who it is. You really are. Lots of times, we're not true to ourselves. We don't speak that language. Simply because we maybe do, we don't want to rock the boat. Maybe we're afraid we won't be accepted. Maybe we're afraid we won't fit in. Maybe we feel like it'll get us further along, you know, with other people or situations or whatever it might be. And so we maybe enter into some relationships or we settle for things, but it's at the expense of who we truly are. I find that very fascinating sometimes when I sit down and think about it. I put up here this whole A plus B equals happiness because I think we love to think of formulas like that. <laughs> we love to put in what A equals and what B equals. And for me, I always tend to put this idea of perfect, that whole idea 
um, what I was talking about, about this idea of there's a perfect path, there's a perfect way, there's that perfect job, there's that perfect story for me. And if I can tap into that, it's gonna lead to this. And then the other word is normal. <laughs> if I just wasn't so hairy, if I just wasn't so skinny, if I just, you know, like if there's this normal idea out there and I don't really know what it is, but man, if I could grab a hold of that, and if I could also find that perfect story, that would tap me into some more happiness, maybe joy. Maybe it would spark some joy in my life and I could feel pretty good. What I wanna encourage you tonight to think about is the idea of living authentically, living your truth, living honestly. That those are three things that are really gonna to lead toward happiness and joy. Maybe it's not like a certain dollar amount, maybe it's not having a ton of friends, maybe it's not fitting in, maybe it's not some of the things that we would necessarily, sometimes that we always go to and say, well, those are the things that would make me happy. Maybe it's living your truth. Maybe it's being exactly who you are 100%. I think those notions of perfection and normal haunt us. But again, life isn't static like a video game. And I would love to know where normal is or what it is, because I don't even know, even though I'm striving after it or think I should be it, I, I really don't know what it is. And if I could define it, you guys would all look a lot different. But it's one of those things, we've bought into this idea early on that we're not enough, we don't measure up, there's something wrong with us. So you've said there is a normal out there, but I'm not it, right? It exists, don't know what it is, but I'm not it. It's interesting. I had this, um, this story. I met this guy and he was telling me about his father who passed away. And um, he was telling me all these crazy stories about his dad. And he said, you know, I never once during my entire life heard my dad sing a song. I never heard him sing out loud. I never heard him hum a tune in the car. He never sang in the shower. It's very different from our household because Silas left the other day embarrassed because his friends came over and I was in the shower singing at the top of my lungs. But that was funny. But this guy never heard his dad sing. And it was before he passed away that he told his son why. I was blown away when he told me the story and I've used it a million times and you may have already heard me say it, but when he was in kindergarten, they had to do like some kind of show and tell in class. And instead of bringing something in, his dad decided to sing a song during show and tell. He stood up to sing a song and the teacher of the classroom told him afterwards that he wasn't a very good singer. How interesting that that could like permanently do that. And then from that point forward, he just thought, I don't have a good voice. And he could have been our next Britney Spears, we'll never know, right? Because he just said from that point forward, man, I'm not going to sing. It's not going to happen for me. I remember being in middle school and I was writing a paper. We had to take these classes because our teachers at the time thought the future was in typing. So we had to sit in classes and type a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to type stories. And so one of the things we had to type about was, what are you going to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? I wanted to be a professional tennis player. I really did. Um, I love tennis. 
And I wrote this whole paper on becoming a professional tennis player and how I was going to do it. And the teacher of my class, and this was a typing class, okay? This wasn't like grading my paper, it was like grading my grammar. She chose to comment on the fact that she didn't think I would ever be a professional tennis player. And she didn't think there was a future in it. And that I probably shouldn't pursue that path. Interesting, interesting stuff. One other story, when we were doing Sky, I had talks with this junior in high school and he was so hell-bent on this idea of normal. And he just kept telling me all the time that his family wasn't this. <laughs> and I was like, join the club, man. Like, I don't know whose family is normal, but he was saying, no, no, no. I, I go over to this other family's household and I've been there. I've been there for dinner. Like I go there after school and they are normal. And I'm like, no, they're not. I, I wish I could convince you of this. And it took him years later to finally like come around, right? But he would just always tell me, Phil, 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 no, my family's not normal. They're not normal. All throughout life, you bump into people and situations and other stories, and they seem better, they seem more normal. You bump into people who are the dream killers and the passion stealers, and they kill your creativity, <laughs> and you decide, you know what, maybe, maybe that isn't my path. Maybe there's another path that's, that's, that's perfect. Maybe there's another better path out there. And so you kind of silence some of that. I think it's surprising in this room that any of us still have any creativity left inside of us by the time we, we get older, that you've got any kind of a spark inside because of how many people you've probably bumped up against and the different stories you've come up against that said, you know what, there's a right and a wrong way of thinking and you don't measure up and you feel like you're not normal and you think there's a perfect way out there. But the good news is, and what I find miraculous all the time, is that that divine spark is still there. And it always is. And it's never too late to start saying, you know what? I am going to live more authentically. I believe my voice does matter. I'm going to start speaking my truth. I'm going to start living my story. I'm not going to settle for someone else's path. I'm going to literally walk mine. I'm going to create mine. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to strive to chase after. Truth be told, and I wrote it up here, I said, most likely you have multiple personalities. And you don't even know it. Your lives are many. I think there's a very dysfunctional belief out there, and here's what it is. It basically says this. I need to figure out my best possible life, make a plan, and then execute it. Kind of a dysfunctional belief. I mean, some good intentions there. I think, but let's reframe it and maybe say this. There are multiple great lives and plans for me within inside of me, and I get to choose which, which one to move forward toward next, right? There are multiple great lives and plans for me and within me, and I get to choose which one to move forward to next. Multiple personalities. 
we used to play this game with students all the time because we had too much time in cars and at airports and driving around. And you have to think on, you got to think fast on your feet. And so I would always throw out to them, let's think about this. You've got, you are here, X marks the spot right now, right? So for me, I'm just going to give you a glimpse into some of my multiple personalities. You know this one, right? Like, it's Phil. He, like, he likes to talk, and he likes to connect and, and hang out and talk about things that feel like they're deep and meaningful. That's Phil. Then there's the side and the question we would ask students. So if you had a dream job, what would it be? My dream job, whew, I would love to be a musician. I would love to be a full-time paid musician. I get such a kick out of playing the drums and being up on the stage and playing concerts. Long time ago, I got to play the drums at the Phoenix Sun Stadium for this band that we won't name out loud because you would go Google them and you would see some of my past history. But <laughs> I played on the stage and I loved it. I loved it, I loved it, I loved it, and ate it up. I did dance. I choreographed a couple of numbers for that band as well, and I was a dancer. But love being a musician. Love dancing, too, privately. Um, <laughs> nowadays, you, you get worse as you get older. I think Mark Hubbard and I talked about that once. As guys get older, they get worse and worse and worse at dancing. It's completely a real thing. Um, so. You've got the Phil personality here. You've got the, what would I do if I had a dream job? I would be a paid musician. I would do that. And I love encouraging like, other people to pursue that passion because I feel like it's not something I can necessarily pursue right now. It's not something I can totally drop and go towards. But I might be able to incorporate some of that into my life now because that's true to who I am, right? So then there's the third question we always like to ask students. And I was like, OK, if you didn't have a conscience, if you didn't have a compass, if you had zero responsibilities in life, what would you do? That's always a really good conversation starter. And for me, if I had zero responsibilities and I could just drop everything and just go do whatever I wanted to do right now, I would be a bartender on a beach somewhere and I would just be a beach bum. That's all I would do. I would eat, sleep, and live on the beach and just serve up drinks for people. That's always my answer. You probably have multiple personalities going on within you. That whole idea of these, this idea of there are many great lives and plans within you. And you get to choose which one to move toward next. There is no perfect way. I don't think so. I don't think there's a perfect path, a perfect route. I don't think there is a normal. Rather, I think there's you and me. And we're wonderful and we're unrepeatable. And I think one of the things we can do the best is begin to know ourselves and who we are and what we're passionate about and what we care about and the things we like and the things we don't like. And to be able to have that voice and to be able to live from that center. Shortly after we moved here, I was out snowboarding with a friend, and we were on <laughs> we were on just a really simple flat part, getting ready to like come down. I don't even know where it is, but I went over like a little roller hill, and he was waiting, 
and then he came up over the hill and he found me laying on the ground, unconscious and blood and things like that. And um, so he came up to me and when I get the story played back to me, he laughs and thinks it's very funny because he was actually in med school at the time. And this was like a dream come true for him in, sort, in a sort of way. You know what I'm saying? Like he had rubber gloves in his back pocket, like ready to go. And afterwards he's like, Phil, I filled up one of the gloves with snow and I put it on your face. And like, I did, you know, he, he had his skis, he got his skis in the X and he was like assessing the situation, doing everything. So afterwards, very funny to talk to him about it. But when I woke up, he said, he said, he asked me who I was and I said, I don't know. And he asked me what year it was and I was like, I don't know. He asked me what the president's name was and I was like, I have no clue. And then I scolded him and I was like, stop asking me questions I don't know the answers to. I was really upset. <laughs> and, um, and then I looked down and I go, oh my God, whose blood is this? And he's like, it's yours. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I had no clue what was going on. But I remember that story and I tell you that story just for the sake of, I think a lot of times in life, we're not true to who we are. It's hard to live authentically and to be honest and to be true. And before you know it, you can get to a place where you don't even know sometimes, right? It's like, no, I hate pho. Like, I don't like it. Like, I don't want to go to lunch at that restaurant. I like pho, by the way. I found it out. I do like it. But you've got to like figure out who you are and tap into that because you can live a long time just like, you know, telling those little things, those little lies. Like, we live in a pretty active community, and everybody tries to get me to go skin up that mountain. I'll tell you what, I don't want to do it. I'm just going to be honest right now. Like, it kind of sounds like punishment. Like, in a lot of ways to me. I like being active, and I like doing other things, but I really, really don't want to skin up that mountain. And like for a long time, I would just like delay it, you know? Oh, I don't have any gear. We can help find you some. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, and you just kind of keep not being 100% honest. But maybe, maybe that happiness, maybe some of that joy that we're really looking for is in living authentically and true to who we are. Because you're you for a reason. I really do believe that. I've told students and adults that forever. That whole idea that who you aren't isn't interesting because you are hardwired with certain passions and dreams and things. And you shouldn't be afraid of the dream killers and the passion stealers. And you shouldn't let that silence what's going on inside of you. You shouldn't let that determine what this perfect path is or to make you stray from what those things are. You are completely and 100% in control of your story, your script. You don't have to read from someone else's or borrow lines or steal their plot. It's your story. It's your life. And tapping into that more and more, I think, will like inch you on that, toward that happiness, towards that joy. Because a lot of times people find themselves and they're like, man, this isn't even me. It's not even who I am. Sometimes you can forget. It's kind of like that panic sets in.
we recently participated in this cool project and I'm trying to get her up here, this photographer. I want her to come and I just want her to sit up here and I want to interview her in front of you. I think it'll be phenomenal. But she sent us, there's a mother in this community out here that sent us something for her middle school daughter. And it's called the Be Yourself Project. And this photographer takes pictures of students in middle school, probably the most awkward time of all of our lives. And she takes a picture and she puts together this slideshow and then they reach out to people who know this kid and they put together this whole compilation of why they are amazing just as they are before they enter this like crazy awkward period of life. When suddenly you start really feeling not normal, right? And I don't know, this is what she does, this photographer. Like she does this for people. And parents are like, yes, do it for my child, do it for my child. And they just like create this thing. And we got to participate in that. And I was thinking the whole time, who you are is interesting. And be who you are. You be the you that we need you to be. You just be you. Be honest, be authentic, be true to yourself. I was gonna encourage you guys to do this. It's something I did, and I've been pulling it out a lot lately. I have this big red journal that somebody gave me. Um, it's kind of obnoxious when you see it, but inside I wrote down a lot of things that are true to me. And I go back to it frequently and I read it. I read it just to remind myself just to nudge me back, just to kind of jog my memory a little bit and say, oh, yes, 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 those are the things. So I would encourage you to find a place, if you can write it down on a card, in a journal, on a piece of paper. If you even wanted to do this, this might even be more powerful for some of you. Um, you can get apps on your phone where you record memos to yourself and you listen to them. And you can do it in your car when no one else is like around. you know. And you could listen to it. You could even put in headphones. When you work out, you could listen to it a little bit. But answer some of these questions. Because who you are is interesting. And this is kind of your DNA written down, right? So you write down things like, I am blank. For me, it was, I am a father. I'm a husband. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a friend. I am blank. I like blank. I enjoy blank. I don't like blank. I care about blank. Blank matters to me. I'm passionate about blank. I can't stand <laughs> blank. Or whatever other phrases you can think of. Somehow to write it down somewhere to put down your DNA, to get it out, to be honest, to help discover yourself just a little bit. I was recently writing down some things and one of the things that I kind of bump up against here, people always bump into me and they're like, Phil, you're such a hipster. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not like a hipster. Like I remember getting these blue glasses that I had once and there's someone in this room on the day that I got the blue glasses, he came up to me and said, nice glasses. Do those come in men's? <laughs> Brad Hemstreet. <laughs> <laughs> We had a good laugh about it. <laughs> you were there, weren't you? Yeah, you were there. He was like, 
to the Kilman Mans. And we like laughed, because I love Brad. And I'm not trying to put him on the spot, but really am. Kind of. But one of the things I noticed about myself was people are like, oh, yeah. Like, you're kind of a hipster. And I'm like, eh. you know what I really do like? Style. <laughs> I do. So I'll buy my blue glasses and my clear glasses and goofy things because it's something that I actually like. And at some point, by this time, because I can laugh with Brad about it, because by this time, I was like, I don't care. I like blue glasses. <laughs> like, I like style. And so like, I'm just, I'm just going to be me. And we're going to laugh and joke about it, and we're going to kick things around. But I'm not going to let it push me to a bad place. Because it's something about who I am. It's true to me. And that is where I was at at that point. Didn't matter. It's fine. I like it. I would just say and encourage you to write those things down. And I wanted to also throw out there that I would encourage you to see your life as your very own script. A script that's unwritten, a script that you get to write, a script that you get to move forward with. Um, I knew a student once who got into a, a situation and he had been dating someone for a long time and then I remember meeting with him and he said, I don't know. I don't know if we're like meant to be kind of a thing, you know. And then something happened in her life and, um, and I knew that this guy, he was such a good guy. You know, and I can see it all over him. And regardless of where their paths were going to lead him, what they were going to choose, I met with him and talked with him because I told him, I have to tell you something, right? So we went out to lunch, and I just sat him down, and I said, look, I get you're such a good guy, and I know what's been happening, and I know how that might alter your course a little bit, and you might make a decision based off of not you, but something else. And I just want to give you permission right now, and I want to tell you that you can live your story. And if your story is choosing this path, great. But I don't want you to choose that path because you felt like it was a script handed to you or something that you had to do. I don't want you to feel that pressure. I don't want you to feel that kind of guilt. I don't want you to walk around with that. I want you to choose your life and your script. A couple weeks ago, I got to baptize somebody. It was my first. <laughs> it was awesome. It was a Sky alumni. And um, I don't know if I should say this out loud. He had to get baptized to get married. Right? It was one of those situations. And um, he was like, I can't get married unless I get baptized. And I was like, well, I can do it for you. <laughs> we can make this legal and happen. He's like, great. And especially he was like, well, and if anybody's going to baptize me, Phil, it's going to be you. And so it was just his parents, him, his fiance, and me. And we did it outside um, on a really cold day. <laughs> and we did it over by Lake Dillon. And I got to share with them one of my well, two of my favorite verses from the Bible. And I thought they were appropriate for tonight, this whole idea of living truth and being who you are. And this whole idea of like fighting the perfection idea and the normal idea. And I simply told him that night, that um, day, I said, you know, a lot of us walk through life and we get hung up on this idea that there's a right path. 
And what's so encouraging to me when I view my life as a script that I get to write and that there is no wrong route to take, one of the verses I love is this idea that God always said he would be with us always. It wasn't contingent upon like what route you took or how you played the game or where you went. It's just like, I'll be with you always. And then I shared with him one other verse, which was nothing can separate you from the love of God. And for me, whatever you attribute, you know, that there's nothing greater than, than something, right? However you look at that concept, the divine spark inside of you, whatever it is, I hope you can get some inspiration from knowing no perfect path, no wrong route, no, no perfect way to do this. It's your life. You live it and be true to who you truly are. Take that path, the path that says, this is who I am. I'm living authentically. I'm living honestly. I'm living my truth. What I would call it is embracing your perfect. Because I feel like a lot of times people settle for other people's perfect. And that's what you kind of buy into and you say, well, that's perfect. And it's like, no, 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 no. Settle for yours. Embrace that perfect and figure out who you are and discover that out just a little bit more. And then you start living from that place. You affirm who it is you are and that you are good enough and that you do measure up. And that that's true about who you are. Live from that center. So until next time, my promise, my prayer, my hope for you, go these next three weeks till we meet again, knowing that your life is yours, fully yours. It's your story, your script to write, and the divine spark will always be with you and within you. No matter where you go or what route you take or regardless of how you play the game, don't listen to the dream killers and the passion stealers. There is no normal. Spark your creativity and embrace your perfect. Live your truth. And for God's sake, put the toilet paper in the right way. <laughs> Which apparently you all know. Right? Right. You be the you who you are. Be your truth. Embrace your perfect. I really appreciate you guys coming here tonight, showing up, hanging out, listening. You get to talk with one another. Grab some more strawberries if there's any left. There are. There's chocolate-covered strawberries back there. And we'll see you in three weeks when we talk about what the funk. It's going to be good. Thanks for being here tonight. And like I always say, if you don't know somebody or if you just want to like shake hands, again, small community. I just don't encourage people to talk a little bit before they leave and just duck out. But we will see you in three weeks at More to Life. Thanks for being here. <laughs>